Welcome to TribCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. I'm digital news editor Scott Rada, and we are talking back to school today. And we're joined by Dr. Jake Erickson from Mayo Clinic Health System of Lacrosse and sports scientist Adro Jagam, also from Mayo Clinic Health System here in Lacrosse. Emily Pyrick, the Tribune's health reporter, is also joining us, and we are putting our focus on nutrition. Um, summer, whether you like it or not, is slowly coming to an end, and I'm sure there are many uh, young people in the in the region who have spent uh, an active summer, but maybe not the most healthy eating summer, uh, spending a little time on ice cream and pizza and all those things that taste so good. Um, as uh, families are sort of resetting their schedules and resetting and, and sending kids back to school, I would imagine now is maybe a good time to consider resetting some healthy habits as well. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, summertime can often be challenging when people are traveling a lot on vacations, hopping around to different activities throughout the summer. You're usually kind of eating on the go or enjoying fun summer treats, so it kind of throws you out of your diet routine. But uh, as you said, as you kind of get back into the routine of school, it generally can make it a little bit easier to get on more of a consistent eating pattern, allows you maybe more time to meal prep throughout the week, do some grocery shopping, and just be more kind of planned, and then have that time to eat kind of a healthy, well-balanced meal. Now, you know, and I, is it safe to say that uh, it's, it's, it's probably not realistic to say no kid should ever have snacks, but is it just choosing uh, the proper healthy snacks? Yeah, absolutely. I think snacks are fine to have throughout the day. It's, again, just choosing ones that are hopefully a little bit more or less or less in sugar, um, maybe a healthy protein source in there. And then especially for young athletes, it's, it's actually really important that they're eating throughout the day and not going long periods of time without any food, uh, which can sometimes be challenging in a school setting. If I think back to some of my days where I was counting down the minutes until lunchtime <laughs> and, and you don't really have much time to eat uh, after practicing or after school before you have to get to practice. So, again, being planned or planning things out in advance really can go a long way with that. And for those who maybe aren't able to um, eat from certain nutritional groups, whether they're gluten-free or vegetarian, would you recommend any sort of vitamin or supplement to kind of enhance their diet and meet those needs? Yeah, there are certain um, dietary situations where people are limited in terms of what food groups that they can or cannot eat. So sometimes, as you said, they may need to supplement with different vitamins and minerals to just kind of make up some of those deficiencies if they're not getting them on a regular basis. Uh, Some common examples of that would be uh, vegetarians or people who can't tolerate dairy very well, maybe have to supplement with calcium or, or vitamin B, so they're making those up in their diet in other ways. One thing that we would add um, is a lot of times people will, will take a vitamin because they, they read an article or they hear something in the news or, hey, it's good to take vitamin D. We live in the Midwest. And while all those things can be fine and good, we'd recommend being a little bit objective about it. And so not everybody necessarily needs a vitamin. Some people do, some people don't. And then there's different dosages of those vitamins or over-the-counter supplements. And everybody's going to be a little bit different. So we do recommend being a little bit objective about it, meaning to check and see, do you truly, are you truly deficient in either a vitamin or a mineral? There are simple blood tests, if you want, that can be checked for those Um, There's varying dosages, particularly not to pick on vitamin D, but there's a wide um, recommendation range of dosages for vitamin D. Everybody's a little bit different, but you need to remember that some of the vitamins that we take are stored in the body where other ones are excreted readily, meaning they don't build up. 
and in particular those vitamins, vitamin D being one of them that you can store and cling on to if you take too much or don't need it and you're taking an additional supplement, you can run into problems from taking too much. So our approach is to be a little bit objective with some dietary histories, some medical histories, and some objective lab data to decide do you need this or not and make a more appropriate recommendation so that you don't get into trouble by taking too much. You know, it's, it's certainly, as I'm sure you well know, that it seems like there's always a, a kind of a, a diet that seems to have gained in popularity that kind of goes on for a couple of years and then ebbs and then another one comes up. You know, I often think about those with conversations with adults, but, you know, talking about back to school today, are those, uh, I would imagine kids are kind of aware of, of those diets too, and do you see them kind of chasing after the latest fads as well? We do, and a lot of times younger athletes can kind of be a victim of that where they maybe are following a diet that they read about in a magazine or perhaps even their parents are on a diet because they may be trying to lose weight, and that's all well and fine, but a young athlete is not someone who is is sedentary and, and should be trying to lose weight, oftentimes the opposite of that. So they need to make sure that they are fueling their bodies appropriately based on their higher activity levels and some of their advanced dietary requirements and then try to stay away from some of the more trend or kind of fad diets as best they can. And, and really at the heart of any kind of well-balanced diet, they all follow the same principles and it should be kind of healthy lean sources of protein, good healthy fats and plenty of fruits and vegetables. And then kind of anything beyond that, we just kind of tailor it towards whatever the individual athletes needs happen to be based on the sport that they're playing. Yeah. And like you said that I would imagine the, uh, uh, quarterback of the football team has a probably a different dietary requirement than someone who uh, maybe spends most of his or her time in the library. Yep, absolutely. And so it's just kind of making those modifications as need be based on whatever their activity level is throughout the day or whatever the demands of the sport may entail. Again, a, a shot putter's nutritional needs very different than what a marathoner should be consuming. So again, just making sure that's specific to whatever their needs are. And I would assume carbohydrates for certain activities can be pretty important? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one that I would say kind of gets scaled the most. Carbohydrate is a great source of energy, uh, especially during higher intensity activity and long duration. So again, if we use the example of a cross-country runner or marathoner who's out there training uh, 50, 70 miles a week, they're kind of churning through a lot of their carbohydrate stores, whereas someone who is like a shot putter, for example, not necessarily doing the same amount of volume and long distance type of training. So their carbohydrate needs are likely more on the lower end. You, you know, obvious, and I, my sense is, and I, I have no data to prove this, but it seems like as kids get older from, you know, from grade school through high school, my sense is that the hot lunch or the school lunch participation rate might go down. I mean, is, is it still true that you can, uh, if you participate in the school lunch program, that you get a, a well-balanced diet? So that's going to vary wildly. The, the nice thing, again, with just more education in general is that schools are trying to provide more options for people, including healthier options. You know, there's vending machines in schools with, you know, readily access to uh, regular sodas, sugary snacks, which, which again, can be okay here and there, but we just it, the biggest challenge is making healthier options available to people. Uh, unfortunately, some kids, the, the main meal that they're getting is, is what's provided to them or, or associated with their school, and so we want that to be as well-balanced and nutritious as possible. But for those kids who, you know, are bringing their own lunch or whose parents are putting their lunch together, what are some things that you might encourage that uh, school lunch to have? 
And I think one of the things, too, along that same theme is learning to prepare meals with your parents because one of the things that we hear in the clinic all the time, particularly when dealing with kids and talking with their parents at some of their visits, is all, you know, they're young, they can eat whatever they want, they have such a high metabolism, they're going to burn it up. But just like a lot of other patterns and behaviors that we learn as kids, nutrition choices and dietary habits, we absolutely will get, um, you know, somewhat from our parents and learn those behaviors. So eating a little bit healthier at home, it's not easy, it takes more time, it costs more money to prepare fresh food, but absolutely teaching those and not just chalking kids up that they can eat whatever they want and wait till they're older to worry about what they eat. I really, really do think it's important for kids at a young age to get a, to, to try to learn from their parents and have their parents show them um, and provide those foods and, and make that a priority to get those habits and the, that knowledge ingrained at a young age. And especially for high school kids, I mean, they're just a couple of years from having to make a lot of these choices out on their own. And, you know, whether it's true or whether it's just a, you know, a myth, but the Freshman 15, when people go off to college, I mean, that's uh, kind of when you, when you sit down at the all-you-can-eat buffet at your college, it can, it can be pretty tempting. Yeah, absolutely. We've run into a lot of those issues with some of our projects at, that we work on with some of the student-athletes at UW-Lacrosse. Uh, just because, like you said, they, they don't quite know how to take care of themselves and put the proper planning in place to kind of eat uh, healthy meals throughout the week. Oftentimes, they'll kind of roll out of bed, go right to class, maybe even skip breakfast, get one or two large meals at the dining center, uh, and then maybe kind of unhealthy snack options later at night. So it really is a challenge to kind of educate them on things that they should uh, try to plan on in advance, make trips to the grocery store with friends if possible, and then just kind of make those preparations and then knowing the right options at some of the dining centers so that you're making great choices to fuel your body um, based on whatever your needs are. And we've been talking a whole lot about eating, but, you know, clearly uh, what you drink has a lot to do with your, your health, too. I mean, I think everybody knows that water is one of the best things you can drink, but there's a lot of heavy, uh, sugary drinks out there that can quickly add up. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're a really active individual, uh, especially one who would be exercising out in the heat and humidity, there's really not a high need for a lot of those sports drinks or sugar-laden drinks. Uh, if you're more of a sedentary person, those are... Uh, drink options that can really cause a lot of health problems for people if they rely on those and oftentimes they're I kind of call them hidden sources of calories people just don't think of how much calorie content and sugar content is really in those so if you're one who consumes them on a regular basis it can certainly add up throughout the week and cause problems and and I would also imagine that there's young people are uh, some of the biggest markets for energy drinks as well Yep, absolutely. Energy drink, that whole industry as a whole is really kind of exploding in growth, and we don't really know a lot about their safety in, in younger age populations. Uh, we usually try to recommend most kids don't opt for those if they need caffeine. Uh, again, usually you can correct those sleepy patterns with just proper sleep habits, but um, if anything, maybe a, a small coffee would be appropriate, but uh, energy drinks for younger populations just probably aren't a good idea at this point. Well, certainly their uh, kids today have more options than ever when it comes to the foods they eat, and that can be, I suppose, both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, and I, one of the general things, too, just with all those options is kind of really thinking about what you're eating and drinking as fuel for your body and kind of having a plan and a purpose. Whether you're an athlete, you want to have sufficient fuel to be able to work out, perform in the field, and then recover from those workouts. Some people have a goal to lose weight, um, and then they're going to be wanting to watch their calories, the types of food that they're in to support that weight loss. 
Um, other people might just in general want an overall balanced lifestyle. Other people might want it for bone health. There's always usually some type of reason that somebody wants to eat a certain way and then there's very good education on the internet to be able to follow those things. Certainly for people that really want to delve into this you know, rather deeply, you can always come into the clinic and talk with a health professional like myself or Dr. Jagum. Particularly for athletes, um, Dr. Jagum led a study over at UW-Lacrosse where they actually found out and, and specifically tested to see what the athletes true energy requirements were, meaning based on scientific evidence, this is how many calories you're burning just existing. When we factor in the calorie burn with working out, this is how many calories you need to maintain weight, put on a little weight, or lose a little bit of weight. And so depending on the goals and how far somebody wants to take it, you can get very specific recommendations to achieve those goals. But I think just the general theme, have an understanding of what your overall goals are in life or your activity, and then try to eat and use nutrition to support those goals. And like you said, if people have more questions about that, um, you and the other folks at, at, at Mayo would be more than happy to help. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Andrew, Jake, we appreciate your time today, and uh, thanks for coming on TripCast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.